When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I are sitting outside at the Browns facility. Uh, it is freezing in the media room, so we decided we needed to escape and get outside on one of the rare, beautiful days left here in Northeast Ohio. And someone else was outside today for the first time since getting into his accident. That's that's called a segue. What right a segue. There, I was going to say, what a segue. <laughs> Miles Garrett back on the practice field today for the first time since he crashed his Porsche last Monday. Um, Mary Kay, he was very aware of the cameras. He was very (laughs) aware that we were all watching. Nothing Miles does is by accident normally. Um, I understand saying that after the circumstances is a little weird, but on the football field, nothing he does uh, is a mistake. What did you think today with Miles Garrett's return? Oh my goodness, he was putting on a show. Uh, What I saw was a spring in his step that I have never seen the likes of since 2017 in terms of warm-ups. He was, you know, he was the pace setter uh, for the, you know, the knee-ups and all of that sort of stuff uh, in the early part of practice. He went through everything with gusto, and then he also turned and winked for the cameras. So uh, this was a young man who was very, very grateful to be back out on the football field. I think it was a sign uh, that he will be playing Sunday against the Chargers, and, uh, and, and he really was announcing to everyone that he's back. Yeah, I mean, and actually I don't say it critically, but I mean it was very clear that he was, you know, we don't see him go through stretches. No, right? No. Like we, he usually That's what prowls. we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. He usually prowls on the sides, prowls on the side, and you know he kind of does his own thing. And today he was as soon as they started those those you know going back and forth, he jumped into the front of the line. And and I do think like Mary Kay said, this was sort of his way of sending a message to everyone, oh, yeah. like, hey. I'm back and I'm, I'm coming for you, Justin Herbert. Yeah, I think he wouldn't have done that if he was not confident that he was going to be able to play on Saturday. I think that's why we saw him did it. And you're right, we had that conversation on the sidelines. Like, I've never seen Miles go, like, all out throughout the stretching. Because like you're saying, he's normally kind of doing his own thing. I always like to say it kind of runs, he's prowling around is a good description, like overlooking his kingdom. And today we did see him kind of take charge in that way. But like you're saying, Miles does not do anything by accident. 
it, I don't think, in terms of the media. We saw him, of course, he turned around after their first, like, set of dynamic stretches, looked at all the cameras and gave a little wink. So he knew, he knew what he was doing by being out there, I think. And he wanted to send a message that, like you said, he's going to be ready to play against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. And Mary Kay, I think you, you made an interesting point, too, about, like, he's just happy to be out on the football field. And I do wonder if there's a part of this moving forward where, like, are we going to say... I feel like we've sort of seen Miles grow in so many ways. And you forget how young these guys are when they come into the league and how much growing up they have to do. And there's been so much instability here. A lot of times we don't get to really see these guys go through that necessarily. I feel like we've seen so many different phases of Miles Garrett. I mean, is there a chance... And obviously this is projecting a lot on just watching him practice once. But is there a chance that maybe... After what happened last Monday and, and kind of escaping that without major injury, being alive, is there a chance that maybe this is a, this enters into a new phase of Miles Garrett? Yeah, you know what? I actually think that this is the second major life-changing event that he's had so far, um, at least the second. The first one during his career was the helmet incident, and I remember talking to him after that helmet incident, and he was determined that it was not going to define him, and he was not going to let it take him under, and he was he was not going to let people, uh, again, define him by that moment, that moment in time where he sort of snapped out of anger uh, at Mason Rudolph. So, you know, and, and when I talked to him extensively after that in a one-on-one interview, uh, you know, we talked a lot about how, uh, you know, he did, it did change things. He's, he completely changed after that. He used to be uh, a player that would kind of do his own thing. Uh, you know, he didn't really engage with his teammates all that much. That was something that always used to bother Baker Mayfield and some others. Uh, he just really wasn't one of the gang. And, and all of that changed after the helmet incident. He got really, really close with his teammates. He had a gratitude for the game after being suspended for the final six games of 2019. He came back with a a renewed vigor, a renewed appreciation uh, for the game and just for everything. And I think that same thing is happening again. I think he is so grateful that he can walk across the field, that he can do those knee-ups you know, it, I think it's changed him once again. And it's another whole quantum leap in terms of the growth of Baker Mayfield. I mean, the, gro- the growth of Miles Garrett. Um, I, I really do believe that. I, I, just, I just think that, uh, you know, this is a profound moment in his life. So that slip-up is actually kind of timely, though, because I feel like we never saw that in Baker Mayfield. We never saw that change in Baker Mayfield. And we're seeing it, I mean, we were sitting in the media room today looking at Twitter, talking about Baker Mayfield snapping back at Panthers reporters. Like, okay, yeah, of course, this is Baker. This is a Baker we we know and sometimes fans loved. And But he never changed. And Ashley, I think we've just seen, even before this, there has been a lot of change in Miles Garrett. I mean, I I can tell you, I can't remember ever seeing him just sitting in the locker room yeah. when we were in there. And, you know, it's been a few years since we've been in the locker room, but in those early years, he would kind of run through, grab his stuff, and get out. And now he's sitting in his locker room. He's, he, I don't want to say he's never been approachable, but he was just never in there to approach. Yeah. Now you can go talk to him. He's, You know, today he was really, like, charismatic with Jeremiah Uzukoromoa. They did a press conference together in training camp. 
I do, you know, we are seeing that evolution. And I just wonder if this incident and now him being back, kind of getting us a second chance at this is like kind of that next big thing. He's, he's so introspective anyway. Yeah, it could be. And like you said, him and JOK, maybe the two most introspective guys on this team. It's not really surprising they bonded. But yeah, like, I mean, and on top of all that and him, you know, maybe being more active in that way or more willing to engage with people, um, I just think he's really found his voice. And that's something we've seen over the last couple of years and something we've kind of talked about repeatedly. And when we say, you know, Miles knows what he's doing. Like, I think he, when he has something he wants to say, he knows how he wants to say it and he is unapologetic about it. And again, we saw it last year plenty of times when he called Joe Woods out after the Patriots came, basically, and got a talking to after it, but his his point got across. Um, And then before when the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff happened, you know, unprompted, I think I asked him, like, are you surprised by how quickly this all went down? And he kind of said he was critical of the front office and how the decision was handled. And these are things, again, where I think he goes into interviews or, you know, media obligations, whatever, and has something on his mind that he wants to say. And feels like he's, he's earned that right as a leader of this team. And I don't think he's wrong, but I think it's him, you know, like you said, Dan, growing up, people forget how young these guys are. Sometimes he's in his mid twenties now, almost late twenties. That's a lot of growing up since he's first been in this league. And I think this incident certainly could have an impact on him overall. Yeah, and you know what? But I, I think that we would be remiss if we didn't address the fact that, I mean, he did let down his football team mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yes. He wasn't there for his team, and I think he recognizes that, too. Yeah. I think he understands that, you know, he has to set the tone for these guys. He's got to show the way for Perry on Winfrey, who he had to say, you know, came out a couple weeks ago and said he's got to learn how to be a pro. And then Miles understands now. I think he really has grasped the notion that that involves every aspect of of your your life. If you really truly want to lead the team to a championship, you've got to comport yourself in a certain way in pretty much every aspect of your life. And I think he knows that um, you know that speeding around Northeast Ohio is is yeah. not the right way to go. I was going to say on a basic level, he did something that, you know, we can say this because, again, he's okay. There wasn't a serious injury involved here. But he got he did something physical off the field that hindered his performance on the field that caused him to miss time. And when you're a guy who has the goals that he has, um, I think you kind of have to be looking at how am I going to live my life to maximize my ability on the field, which is something he's talked about. You know, we've talked about before, like he doesn't drink. He doesn't really go out like his classic line the last couple years is I go to practice and then I go home like that's what he does because he's so focused on this so yeah like there's there's no doubt that had to have been killing him watching that and especially watching the run defense systematically Mm -hmm. break down over the course of that game on Sunday I also think it speaks to building a young team like you do ask a lot of somebody like Miles Garrett is 26 like, crazy 26 and you're asking him to be like the voice and the leader of your team and I think something that you know not to turn this into a John Dorsey podcast I think something <laughs> John Dorsey very clearly did when he first got here um, was bringing in veteran players like a TJ Carey um, Chris Hubbard who's still around that he was younger at the time but you know he brought in guys who were clearly like this guy's a veteran and this guy's going to come in and stabilize the locker room a little bit. Now, obviously, there were other things that sort of destabilized it during John's time here, but initially, he did that. And that, But now, 
Like, Miles, you're all grown up. It's time. Like, it's your turn. And your starting quarterback is not here right now. So somebody's got to step up and be the leader of this football team. And as much as we all love, like, a Joel Batonio and, and some of these other guys, Miles Garrett is a superstar. And your superstar has to be a leader. Yes, he does. And there are so few truly, really great leaders in the NFL. I mean, you know, we, we all know who some of those are. Uh, but but this football team, I think in some ways, lacks really good leaders, like true great leaders. And Miles can be that, and I think he knows he can be that, and he's trying to be that. But I think he he recognizes uh, that he you know that he's made some mistakes here, and I think he has learned his lesson on this one. I do. I think he learned his lesson. I wrote a column about this the other day. I think he learned his lesson with no one getting seriously, seriously hurt. It was enough to scare him straight from this whole speeding thing, but not enough for anyone to not be able to walk away from that accident. And that could have so easily happened, so easily happened. Fortunately, they had their seatbelts on, uh, but even with all of that, I mean, this was a bad enough accident that, uh, I mean, it's, I mean, just his biceps tendon alone, if that thing would have ruptured, he's out for the whole season. Mm-hmm. And those things are hard to come back from. Mm-hmm. So I think he recognizes that he's very lucky, that he's very fortunate, and I think he's going to change from this. Had, had you just shown me pictures of the car and told me what happened and asked me what's the best case scenario from this, I would have been like, Miles is out two months. Yeah. Like, Mary Kay, didn't the state troopers tell you that they were surprised there were survivors when they first saw the crash? I mean, it was bad. Yeah, it was it was really bad. And uh, and I think, I mean, as we have mentioned already on this pod, Miles is a deep thinker and introspective guy. He's very close to his family. I mean, really, really close to his family. He knows what this would have done to his parents. He knows what this would have done to his passenger's parents. And I, as I pointed out in, a, in the column, you know, he, he wouldn't, he doesn't kill a bug. I mean, he doesn't kill a bug. So the fact that he was able to not hurt anyone in this accident, I think he's looking at it sort of as a mulligan in life and that more changes are needed and that it really truly was a wake-up call. Okay, let's take a break and then let's touch on another player who is very close to coming back as well. I'm back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby, Mary Kate Cabot, and Ashley Bastock sitting outside the Browns facility. So you hear some bugs, some trucks in the background. You'll probably hear a train at some point before we're done here. Uh, but let's get to Greedy Williams. Uh, coming off IR, doesn't need to return from IR today. Sounded when we talked to him in the locker room like he thinks he can play this week. Um, you know, we'll see how he comes out of practice and, and what. We're not going to hear from Kevin tomorrow, but we'll hear from Joe Woods. Uh, tomorrow, kind of see what he has to say about Greedy Williams. Greedy was going to be the third cornerback, which is a very important role on this team, and then he hurts his hamstring in practice. He said just kind of bending down, making a play. Mary Kay, I mean, this this guy had a healthy season last year, but it's, it's just felt like he hasn't been able to catch a break, and this is a very important year for him as he's in his final year of his deal. Yeah, it, it really is an important year for him, and he's a good cornerback. I think he was able to show that last year when he finally came back, uh, you know, from injury and got out there on the field. And I think that uh, he showed what he's all about, and he has value to this football team. 
and if he can get out there on Sunday, I think he'll make a difference. When you look back to last year, he led the team with 10 tackles in that game. He forced a fumble, and he broke up a pass. So I think that uh, I think he'll make a difference again on Sunday. He's a veteran. He's been around for a long time. I think he has great instincts for the ball. And I actually see him possibly getting an interception Ooh, on Sunday. Calling it go. here. Is that going to be the prop bet on our, our preview <laughs> pod on Friday? It could be. Well, you called Grant Delpit's interception that earlier this season, so I have I have a feeling that it's going to happen now. Well, I called Alex Wright's batted pass. Yes, that too. Yes, yes. I called Alex Wright's batted pass, and I actually told him on Friday <laughs> that he was going to bat the pass, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, so there you go. Listen to Mary Kay. That's, that's the lesson here. We tell you this over and over again on this pod. Listen to Mary Kay. But, um, so we all obviously like Martin Emerson, Ashley, but it's a big ask for him as a rookie, a third-round pick, to kind of have to do what he's done. And, I, I mean, I think he's been fine. I'm not sitting there watching every snap of Martin Emerson's career on the All-22, but I think he's done a nice job. But this at least takes a little bit of pressure off of him and allows – Greedy, who kind of has similar size, not quite as big, but he, you know, he's a long, tall corner. It kind of allows him to kind of take on that role, and now you can use Emerson a little more selectively. Yeah, I think that's probably a good thing, right? And I'm not saying the breakdowns in the secondary have been Martin Emerson's no. fault. I don't think any of them have been, but considering that's going on, maybe having these guys, you know, another guy out here who's who's been in this system, has a similar body type to Martin Emerson, um, that similar length, I think that's a good thing. And, you know, like you said, Dan, it's like Martin Emerson hasn't done anything bad. I mean, even the play you think of the George Pickens play, which is probably the first one that comes to mind that he was defending, there wasn't anything else he could have done on that. That was just an incredible catch. So um, I do think, though, the big benefit to drafting him originally was that, oh, you have another guy who you can kind of develop here, and if Greedy Williams is gone next year, maybe it doesn't matter as much because you have this guy who's been around. So I think it's good, maybe, like you said, to be able to use him more selectively but still get that length in the back end of your defense. So we did during, I think it was this last offseason, we did a draft of potential extensions that the Browns could do. I think Greedy was low on the list, but, I mean, Mary Kay, I could certainly see... If he comes back and has a nice year as the third corner, if he gets a you know a nice little contract from this team to come back, you know I don't maybe it would be similar to I'm trying to think how they've done it with somebody else in the past, but there's got to be something they could get done with him that, that's kind of team friendly but also gets him paid a little bit. Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, good cornerbacks are hard to come by, and you've got someone that knows your system that he plays well when he's in there, and he's had a tremendous attitude no matter what. I mean, when he thought he was going to be the starting cornerback last year and they drafted Greg Newsom, he had a great attitude about that. He helped Greg. He was the first one to welcome him to the team. He's just such a team guy. I mean, you guys know from just dealing with him in the locker room. He's just a cool guy to talk to. Mm -hmm. And the Browns really, really like him as a person and as a player. So, you know, I do think that there's a chance, a world in which they would try to keep him around. And I, th- I think, you know, deep down, Ashley, these guys don't want to spend the time and resources developing somebody, rehabbing somebody, getting him back on the field, and then seeing him go play for somebody else. It's the nature of the game. It's going to happen to some guys, but 
They've got the money, that's yeah, for I mean, sure. I, I really just think we've seen it time and time again. The Browns like to keep these guys that they've developed around, and it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things when we talk about analytics. It's smart analytically to be able to do that, to get guys in on the ground floor and be able to develop them. So, of course, you don't want to lose them when you've spent, like you said, all this time and effort developing them into what you want them to develop into. So, um, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens with him. But like Mary Kay said, he's a guy who's always had a good attitude and and performs when he is healthy. But, of course, your best ability is your availability in this league, and it's a cliche for a reason. Trivia time. How old is Greedy Williams? Mm. 24? Wow. Am I right? I was going to say 24. Wow. Okay. See, I would have gone older. I don't know why. I think because it just feels like he's been around for like 10 years because it was, again, it was a John Dorsey pick. Um, Andrew was in the building that year, right? That was the year that Andrew was still around. 2019 draft. Maybe? No. No. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Not there that year. But, yeah, um, yeah, still only 24. Yeah, well... David Njoku's still only, like, 18. <laughs> yeah. And he's been around for 10 years. <laughs> That's he true. He turns 18 on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's turned 18, like, five times. Um, okay, I think I think that's everything. Anything else from today that, that we missed? You know what? Just Jadavian Clowney. I think we, um, you know, just the fact that if they can have Miles and Jadavian back, that would be very helpful. I still say if they would have had those two guys in Atlanta, they're winning that football game, regardless of what happened on fourth and three from the four. So <laughs> so if they can get these guys back, and I even asked uh, Kevin, you know, would just even some of them, some small percentage of them be better than nothing? He was like, oh, that's fair. Uh, you know, so even if you can get those guys out there and, and get the opponent, getting get the Chargers thinking about them and preparing for them and trying to figure out how they're going to, you know, double-team miles or triple-team miles or whatever they have to do, even if you get them both out there for 30% of the snaps or 40% of the snaps, that would be meaningful. That's what you need against the number one offense in the NFL right now. Yeah, make it a little tougher to use Austin Eckler in the passing game, use Gerald Everett in the passing game, maybe make those guys have to stay back there just a little bit longer before they can release. That, that could certainly change the game on, on Sunday against Justin Herbert, who actually I know you're writing about today. Yeah, and I mean, it's just interesting because the Chargers haven't really been running the ball a ton. They just scored their first rushing touchdown on on Sunday against the Texans, first rushing touchdown of the year. Um, But they are the best passing offense in the NFL right now. Justin Herbert, even though he's playing with that hurt rib, when you watch those games these last couple weeks, well, especially this last week, you don't really see it impacting his throws. I think we saw a few throws impacted in the Kansas City game when he got hurt, but if anything, he maybe looks a little bit more hesitant to make plays with his feet or he wants to, you know, not get tackled doing that. So I just think John Johnson said it best today. They kind of have to always, he's a guy who's going to take advantage of breakdowns. He's a guy who looks like he's six foot nine playing behind his line. He's so big. Um, and if they're, the Browns secondary is not on their toes, they're going to get torched was the word that John Johnson used. And that's, I, I got to say from watching him, yeah, that's his, his processing is one of his best abilities as a quarterback, I think. And that throw in that Kansas City game after he was hurt was one of the best throws we'll probably see all season on fourth down. And, and it came a play after it looked like yeah. he'd never thrown a football before. Like, yeah. And like he would never be able to throw one yeah, again. Yeah, he was so then, hurt, he just yeah. threw it to the ground to get away with it. You could tell he just didn't know what to do. 
So, yeah, Justin Herbert looks healthy, at least healthy enough to uh, cause the Browns' defense problems if they aren't, if they kind of continue down the, the road they've been going. But getting Miles back, getting Davion back would certainly be a game-changer for them. All right, there we go, our Thursday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We'll be back with our big Browns-Chargers preview on Friday. Prop bets, game picks, all sorts of stuff coming your way for that one. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.